Good morning, Thrive Church. I want to welcome all of you here this morning. My name is Sheldon Miles. I'm the pastor of this church. So glad that you have decided to connect with us. I want to welcome all those who are watching online in the 715 and uh, glad that you're spending this service with us. By the way, I always want you to know it is better in person. So we are starting a new sermon series today called Ever After, Ever After. And, and uh, I think we all are craving for that in our relationships. I think all of us, we, we crave for that, that relationship that, that ends happily ever after. You know, I, we've all watched the Walt Disney movies before, and we know that Walt Disney has made not just millions of dollars, he has made billions of dollars uh, on that vision of the happily, happily ever after relationship. And I think that's really what all of us are created for. We're designed to have that. We are longing for that. And so we're not only going to be, in these next few weeks, not just talking about marriage, but just relationships in general. And uh, and so, uh, but I want you to know this morning, I believe that an ever after relationship, it starts in the heart. It starts in the heart. You see, our heart this morning, it is the hub it is the hub uh, uh, where everything is processed. Uh, every conversation that comes out of our mouth, the way we live, the way we parent, the way that we lead, the way we confront people, the way we react, the way we respond, it's all, it's all built up. It's all because of what's happening inside the heart. And here's the reality. Everyone, as we enter into relationships, as we enter into marriage, everyone enters into a relationship with their heart issues. You've, you've all heard that phrase before. You're like, you know, the, the baggage, <laughs> the baggage. We all enter into our relationships for good or bad, and we all bring in with us the baggage into our relationships. And here's the deal. If we don't deal with the issues, if we don't deal with the baggage, the baggage will deal with our relationship. Some of you are, are here today and you can totally relate to that video that we just watched because maybe that's you. Or maybe you're the spouse who's wondering, asking the question, who hurt you? Who hurt you? Why are you hurting so much? So today, I want to talk about this. As we enter into this relationship series, I, I think we have to start from the inside out. I think that we need to deal with the issues of the heart. And I want to encourage you, if you want to follow along with this message today, we're going to talk about the issues of the heart. And we know Solomon says this. Solomon is the wisest man who ever lived, according to the Bible. And he says this in Proverbs 4.23. He says, above all else. So in, in your relationships... And in life, above all else, you really want to keep your focus in on this issue. Above all else, guard your heart. Take care of what's going on inside the heart. It matters. It's important. Guard your heart for everything you do, it flows from it. And so what he's trying to say is like, listen, our heart, it's a sacred place. 
and it's a place, it's, it's, it's a place that we can easily injure. There's a lot of pain that, that can happen there. It can easily be wounded. We need to guard our hearts. Not, I'm not talking about walking around guarded. That's not what I'm saying. But we need to take care of the heart. You see, Paul, uh, Solomon says here that your heart is like a well. So what's in your heart is what's going to come out. So if you, you meet that person who's really joyful all the time, well, that's, what's, that's because that's what's going on in their heart. You, you meet somebody who's hurting all the time, and that's all they have to say is hurtful things. Well, that's kind of what's going on in their heart. You meet somebody who's angry all the time. Well, that's just a reflection of what's going on in the heart. So I wanna ask you this morning as we get into this message here this morning, what effect, what is the condition of your heart today? And how is that, how is your heart, the condition of your heart, how is it affecting your relationships, the relationships maybe you're trying to have, or the relationships you have, how is it affecting your marriage? Here, here's, here's the whole point of the message, okay? Here's the whole point of it. As goes your heart, so goes your relationships. As goes your heart, so goes your relationships. You see, you can have everything right in life. You can have the right house. You can have the right kids. You can have the right neighborhood, the right school system. You can have the right dog. Please don't have a cat. But you can have it all right. If you got a cat, you got it wrong, all right? But you can have it all right. But if your heart isn't right, your relationships will pay the price. Your heart's not right. It's going to come out in your relationships. You see, you know, even Jesus talks about this, Matthew 15, 18. Jesus says this. He says, it's out of the mouth the heart speaks. So if you ever, if you ever want to know where a person is at in their heart, their, their heart condition, just, you just be quiet and listen to them talk for a while. Just, just listen. You want to know really the inside. Just listen to them. The things that they talk about are the things that are on their heart. They begin to express the hurt and the pain. Everything that's going on in their heart, Jesus says, people will begin to talk about it. Andy Stanley wrote this book uh, and, and I, where I get a lot of these ideas that I'm going to talk about today. The, the book is called Enemies of the Heart. And he talks about four life-taking heart conditions. Four heart conditions that we can have that just really take the life out of our relationships, take their life out of our marriage. And those, those here they are. They're guilt, anger, greed, and jealousy. So I want to talk about these, these four issues of the heart. Let's talk about the guilty heart this morning. We feel guilty when we know that we did something wrong. Everybody in this room, we, we know we, we've done something wrong. And then, and then we just feel like I owe for that. You know, I got to make up for that. And, and so sometimes when that happens in relationships, we, we're always trying to atone for our sins. You ever been in a relationship like that? You're like, oh man, I really messed up. And they don't know what I did, but I, you know, I'm going to buy them flowers. I'm going to buy them this and I'm going to buy that. I'm always trying to atone for that mistake that I made. And one of the major problems is a guilty heart often becomes guarded and it, and it often hides because I don't want that person to know what I did. I haven't been found out yet. But you, when you have a guilty heart, 
becomes kind of a closed off heart. You, you kind of, be, if you've ever been guilty before or something, you just feel guilty. You begin to feel paranoid. And so, again, you just kind of, you close the doors, you, you lock the door of your heart. I just don't want to be exposed. It's hidden. I don't want anybody to know. And it's just best that I keep it that way. But here's the problem. Here's the problem with a guilty heart. When you have a guilty heart, you're kind of like this. And that person who's trying to have a relationship with you is like, man, what's going on? And they're always asking, hey, is something going on? No, 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 no. No, seriously, is everything? No, it's all right. It's all good. But they're always wondering, what, what, are, what are you hiding? Why, why won't you let me in to your heart? You see, that's what a, a guilty heart does. It closes us off from the ones who love us the most. And, he, and so I want to talk about, with each one of these heart conditions, I want to talk about habits. Because I, I think, I don't know if there's always a quick fix, but I think that there's maybe habits that got us into that heart condition. And I believe that there's some habits that can help us with these heart conditions. And so the habit I would say for you, uh, for those who are dealing with a guilty heart is this. Here's the word, Repentance. You're here today and you're struggling with a guilty heart. And I would tell you, listen, man, you need to start practicing the habit of repentance. Repentance always starts with this. It always starts with confession. It always starts with confession. So when, I, uh, when I, we had our kids at home, uh, we always, you know, when we were confronting them with something and they did something wrong and, and you know, it, it just always went easier, easier on them if they confess the crime right away. But when they keep dragging it out, and they keep dragging it out, and no, I didn't do it, she did it, no, he did it, it just, it gets worse, doesn't it? And it just always, and I always wanted it, the, the punishment was less severe because I, I saw the humility in them, and I also see, as when they confessed it, they were taking responsibility for the actions. You see, the apostle John tells us this in 1 John 1, 9, the importance of confession, the importance of us when we realize that we have done something wrong, that we take responsibility for it. He says, but if we will confess our sins to him, talking about Jesus, if we would begin to confess our sins, living out that habit each and every day, just confessing, God, I messed up again. Oh, there's, a, such, a, there's such a healthy humility that rises up with you. That, and he says, when we confess our sins, and we can be sure of this, that our God, he is faithful and he is just. Well, how is he going? He's for, just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all of our wickedness. Man, if we could just learn to take that guilty heart to Jesus and confess our sins. You see, then we start to work through the process then. It's then that we, it's, it's not over at that time. You see, we can go to Jesus and Lord, forgive me all that time. But if you go right back to that sin, well then, man, it's just gonna get into this vicious cycle. But in Acts Luke tells us this, he says, he says, now repent of your sins. He's talking to the people, say, not, not just confess your sins, but now repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. What does repentance look like? Here's, here's what I think, three steps. Three steps of repentance. The first step of repentance is always this. It's stop. Stop it. It always comes to that recognition like, I've got to stop this. 
This path that I'm going down is a dangerous road. The bridge is out up ahead. And if I, if, I don't, if I keep on going at this rate, I'm going over the ledge. I've got to stop. The first step of repentance is to stop. Is to stop. The second step is this. Okay, now I need to, as I'm going down that road, I need to stop. And now repentance means I, I'm, I'm going to turn around. Because I'm going into a wrong direction. If I keep going in this direction, I'm going to get hurt. And I'm going to hurt a whole lot of people along the way. I need to stop and I need to turn around. But here's what I've recognized with my life. I have done step one, and I've done step two a lot, okay? But something keeps drawing me back again. <laughs> something keeps drawing me back and until, until I recognize that I need to take step three. I, again, I'm, I'm gonna stop, I'm gonna turn around, and I need to turn up to God. Because that is where the real transformation begins to take place. When I call upon God, I say, God, I, I keep doing that thing. And, oh, God, I want to stop. God, will you help me? God, will you transform me? Because I'm not good at doing that myself. And you're not good at it either. We are not good at life change on our own. Only Jesus is the one who changes lives. So we're going to stop. Everybody say stop. I'm going to turn around. Everybody say turn around. And I'm going to turn up to God. Everybody say turn up to God. I'm going to take that step. So that's the first heart issue that we're dealing with here. The second heart issue that I see a lot of people deal with, is, as we saw that in the video, is that heart issue of guilt. Or, I'm sorry, of anger. Anger. When we, when we have anger in our lives, it means this, that somebody hurt me and now they owe me. You hurt me, and I'm angry. Now you owe me, and I'll let you know when things are even. Right? We, we, we take on that attitude. You see, that's what hurt is. Hurt is, it's, it's our anger is unresolved hurt that's built up inside, and it keeps getting spilled out to our closest relationships. And here's the deal. If you don't deal with it, I've said this many times, if you don't deal with it, it begins to deal with you. And the word of God keeps talking about this idea that when we let anger and resentment build up in our lives, it turns into this thing called bitterness. It becomes like a root. You know, have you ever, you ever picked weeds in the summertime and you, you get those really nasty, deep-rooted weeds and you got to keep digging and prying at it? I mean, it just becomes deep-rooted. It becomes what is known as a stronghold. The Bible talks about a stronghold. And when it talks about a stronghold, it, it means like there, there's just these normal cities and if you ever attack that city, like, yeah, you could easily overtake it. But there was other cities that had these massive walls and these fortifications, and they would call those places strongholds. I mean, it took a lot of effort to take down those cities. And sometimes that, that pain in our, our heart because of hurt, that small infection turns into a terrible disease, and it begins to eat us alive. 
you know, I, I talked about this before, but it just keeps coming back to me every time I, I talk about uh, the topic of, of bitterness and forgiveness. Years ago, I was helping this, uh, this couple. They were in their 70s, and both of them, this was their second marriage. And, and so this lady, she attended our church, and she wanted me to meet her fiance. They wanted me to do the wedding. So I did some premarital counseling with him. And he's just... The type of guy you're sitting across from him and he just kind of had that Santa Claus look. You know, he had the gray beard and it just, he just looks like Santa Claus and he's just smiling all the time and I'm just getting to know him and talking to him. And like, okay, what, what, you know, I'm, I'm a curious pastor and I'm gonna, I'm gonna kind of go there. And like, well, tell me what happened in your last marriage and all of a sudden that Santa Claus look just kind of went away a little bit. And he began to talk about his former wife and the things she did and how she hurt him and, and the pain that she, and as he is talking, Santa is turning beet red. I mean, I'm like, I'm like I, you know, I don't know this guy. I'm like, oh my word, is it, you know, damn, that, did this just happen like a couple months ago? Like, well, you know, when did this happen, Santa? He's beginning to talk. <laughs> I didn't say Santa, but I thought it. <laughs> I didn't, I thought. And as I'm, I asked, you know, I asked, how long ago was this? Again, he's just, he's getting all tense up and he's like this. 40 years ago. 40 years ago. And that's what happens to a lot of us. If we don't deal with the hurt, the hurt begins to deal with us. Here's the problem. An angry heart is a hurting heart that keeps hurting others who hurt others, who still hurt others, and it goes on and it goes on. Hurting people. Somebody, John Maxwell says hurting people hurt other people. And, and, and here's the deal. Here's why they're so angry. An angry heart is looking to be paid back. You hurt me. And, and I, de I deserve to be repaid for the pain that you caused me. You deserve to experience the same pain, if not worse, than what you've caused in my life. And so then this, when the anger spreads, it begins to turn into everybody owes me. You ever met somebody like that? Everybody, somebody who just walks around in life, they're so angry that everybody owes them and they're so miserable, and they turn into what I would call victim mode. Now, don't, don't tell me you haven't been there before. All of us have been in victim mode before. Victim mode is when you become consumed with the debt. And victim mode oftentimes explains our actions and our attitudes. You know, this is why. I wouldn't normally talk like this. I wouldn't normally do this. But, but the reason why I'm doing this is because so-and-so hurt me. So I have every right. I have every excuse to be living my life and miserable and making you miserable, not because of me, but because of him. Victim mode. Have you ever been there in victim mode before? And what happens in victim mode, instead of you taking any of the responsibility for the relationship, you are consumed. All you can see is what they did to you. And it leads to a pretty miserable life. And here's the deal. We can be set free. We can be set free from this. 
but the healing habit that we need to choose, because I think anger can become a habit. I believe the habit that we need to start choosing is the habit of forgiveness. And some of you right now, in your minds and in your hearts, you have just got up out of your seat and you have just now left because you don't want to hear this. Forgiveness is hard. It's hard stuff. Forgiveness is this. It's the decision to cancel. No, 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 no. He owes me. I'm not going to cancel any debt. It's canceling the debt that is owed to you. Right now, some of you are thinking, that person is in your mind right now. And the, the idea of canceling the debt of the pain that they cause you is just unbearable. But listen to what Paul says here. The Apostle Paul, he says, Ephesians 4.31, he says, listen, man, we've, we've got to learn to get rid of this bitterness, this rage, this anger, the harsh words and the slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, listen to me, I know you don't want to hear this. You don't want to hear this, but I'm telling you, you need to be kind to each other. That person who caused you so much pain, you need to do the opposite and be tenderhearted. You, in fact, you need to be forgiving one another. And then Paul puts emphasis, I'm sure he puts emphasis in it. He says, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. You see that, that whole first part, the whole three-fourths of that, like, what, 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 what? And then, oh yeah, as Jesus forgave me. I get that. I get that. I, I go to him each and every day for that. You see, Paul is saying, listen, listen, you need to get rid of this. That anger, that hurt, that pain in your life, you need to deal with it because if you don't deal with it, you will deal with it. So we need to deal with it before it deals with you. Deal with it. Do you know it's a well-known fact? You know it's a, it's a well-known fact. Studies have shown that unresolved anger in people's lives can evolve into mental illness. It's, it's a known, it's a well-known fact that unresolved anger in a person's life can not only lead to, lead to mental illness, but physical illness as well. I've talked to paramedics. I work with the, uh, the fire department as a chaplain, and I've talked to them about, about this many times. And they have said, you know, I, I widow it down. I'm like, so you're telling me that a person, a, a totally healthy person could have a full-blown heart attack or go into cardiac arrest because of unresolved anger? Yes. Yes. And that's why Paul is saying, listen, it's not worth it. That pain and anger that's building up inside of you, it's not worth it. Instead, we need to give. Instead, give to others exactly what, des what God desperately, what you desperately need from God. You see, as we, we celebrate a communion, we acknowledge communion this morning, your biggest need Every person's, the biggest need in, in the entire world is the forgiveness of God. And that's why God said, listen, listen, I, I'm gonna help you with this issue. I'm gonna send my son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross, and he's gonna pay the debt that you owed so that you, 
you can be forgiven. And guess what? It's free. It is freely given to you. All you have to do is to accept it and receive it. And now Paul says, you, you know, and everybody's like, yeah, I love that part. He says, no, okay, you like that part so much. Now you go and you give that to others. Ah, oh, Paul, man, I like that you had me. You had me at me being forgiven, but forgiving others. Oh, man. But I'm telling you, some of you, you need to be set free from the anger and the hurt that you're carrying. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, the, the only answer is through forgiveness. It's through the forgiveness, the same forgiveness that Christ gave to you, you need to extend to others. And I know it is not easy, and I can do a whole sermon series on this, but let me just give you a, th- a few thoughts here. First of all, identify the person that you're angry with. Maybe you need to write down that person's name right now. Who is it? Second of all, what did they do? What did they do and what do they owe? That's fair. What did they do? Sometimes it's powerful to just write it down. What did they do and what did they owe? Now, we make the decision. And I promise you, your feelings and emotions are not gonna be in this decision. But you're not gonna be like, yeah, this is all great. No, 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 you need to make the decision to cancel the debt. Make the decision to cancel the debt. Some people, they, 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 I've heard of people who like, they put up a chair and they talk to the empty chair and when you did this and you did this, and the, but I canceled the debt. I've even done this. So I had a, somebody had wounded me and, and we were on vacation and I counted, I counted. And there was nine people who hurt me terribly, betrayed me, betrayed a trust. There was nine people and I was just so, I just, I, I was tired of carrying it. And I, f- I found like these nuts that we were on this beach and I found these nine, and I'm telling Michelle what I, I need to do. And I went out into the ocean, just stepped out about waist deep and I took each one. So-and-so, and you did this to me. Ugh. Ugh. You're forgiven. The only way I can get, the only way the debt gets picked up is for me. I would have to go out into the ocean and find those very nuts and take it back with me. You're forgiven. The debt is canceled. And some of you, you need to have that ocean moment. And here's what I do. Here's what I do. Because every once in a while, the thoughts of what they did, they begin to show up in my mind. And you know what I've done to, to, to counter that? I have begun to pray for those who have hurt me. And there is something that happens inside of us that breaks that curse of unforgiveness when we begin to pray, not praying hurt on them. (laughs) Because it's amazing when you're angry and hurt, the creative ideas, like God, maybe if you did this, and no, 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 no. I'm praying blessings on them. Blessings, when you pray blessings, it breaks that curse. And those feelings and memories are gonna arise. And when that happens, you say no. I don't live there anymore. This case is closed. It's over. It's over. And sometimes we need to declare that because the feelings are still there. The memories are still there. But I tell you, over time, God begins to take that pain away. Oh, there's power in forgiveness. I've talked about this before where my wife and I went through a season of hurt and pain. 
There was, there was hurt that happened in my family and, and it, and it kind of caused some hurt. And because I wasn't dealing with things right, I began to hurt my wife in ways that I didn't even realize, I didn't even know. And all of a sudden we were caught in what I would call the vicious cycle. And we were saying and doing things to each other, just hurt, hurt, hurt. And I would hurt her and she would hurt me with her words and I would hurt her. And it just became just a terrible situation until we just got sick and tired of sick and tired. And we just, we decided we're going to deal with it. And we reached out and we got help. And some of you, that's, the, that's really what the next step is for you, is to reach out and get help. And we learned through a season, and it took time, we learned to forgive one another. But we had to start with canceling the debt. And we forgave each other. And that's when the healing began. Let me continue on here. Heart issues. We're talking about, you see here how our heart issues affect our relationships. And I talked about guilt. I talked about anger. And let me talk about this one called greed. Greed is that, like, I owe it to myself. Here's what greedy people have in common. Greedy people, they talk and they worry about money and things because they feel like they're never going to have enough. And they're just never content with what they have. And here's a problem with a greedy person. A greedy heart can never have enough. Their extension, their, their stuff is an extension of who they are. There's never enough to satisfy their needs. Now, some of you have just been looking at this box the entire time wondering what is in that box. And I told Michelle I was gonna do this last night and I, I want you to know I feel embarrassed by what I'm about to reveal to you. Okay, straight up, I am I'm embarrassed. And I'm gonna tell you what I'm gonna to reveal to you that's in this box, there are still more at home. Can I do that? Okay, can, I have a thing. <laughs> I have a thing for hats. <laughs> it just feels so good to get that out. <laughs> I just, I just feel like I threw up, <laughs> and I feel so much better. <laughs> I just, and I, it's become, part of it is my identity. Yeah, <laughs> I got another one in there. Oh, yeah, that's a good one right here. That's an, and I just can't, I can't get rid of them. I, I just, I can't get enough. And sometimes life becomes like that. Because I'm afraid. I, I don't know. I grew up in a home and I told Michelle, like, we didn't have, like, a lot of hats and gloves and stuff. It was always hand-me-downs. And uh, when we were outside, I was just always cold all the time and just, I don't know. I just, hats. I don't know what my excuse is. But Jesus tells us this. He says, man, beware. Everybody say beware. 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 And whenever Jesus is saying beware, he's saying, listen, you may have an issue in your life. Guard against every kind of greed. 
when you feel like I just, I can never have enough. And, and, and like, where did you get that? I gotta have one of those. And like, you know, oh, I love that. I gotta have one of that. And all of a sudden our hearts become consumed with what I don't have and everybody else has. He says, life is not measured by how much you own. Beware, because greed is dangerous. And the danger is we believe the lie that if I had more, oh man, I see some nice hats here that are in the room today. Yours is the one I was looking at earlier, back in the back day. If I had that hat, I would be complete. And you guys know this. You know when you just keep eyeballing that hat and then you, you start looking it up on Amazon, there, there it is. Now I got the hat. And it comes in the mail, and you got that hat, and you put it on, you're looking in the mirror, it has arrived. It has arrived. And what happens one hour later? <laughs> one hour later. Yeah. Man, dude, that is the coolest hat. <laughs> Where did you get that hat? <laughs> right? And it becomes our identity. And because I gotta have it. He's, there's danger in this. He says in verse 21, he says, yes, a person is a fool. Oh, man. A person is a fool to store up earthly wealth but not have a rich relationship with God. It's foolish. These things can become foolishness in our life. You know what a foolish person is? Here's what foolishness is. Foolish is to ignore the truth and continue to believe and do something that you know is a lie. Let me say that one more time. To be foolish, to ignore the truth. I know what the truth is, but I'm gonna ignore it, and I'm gonna keep doing this thing even though I know it's a lie. I know this cannot fulfill me, but I still like it. I still want it, and I deserve it. Jesus is saying it is a foolish, it's foolish to pursue a relationship with things or our money over a relationship with God. Let me say that one more time. It is so foolish for us to be in the pursuit of things and not be in pursuit with God. And you know what? The real motivation for greed is fear. What if, that's what it is. What if I don't have enough? What if I don't have the coolest hat that is out there? And the healing habit of greed is generosity. Generosity. Listen to what Paul says here to young Timothy. He says, he says, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God who richly gives us all we need for his enjoyment. Remember we talked about this the other week? Who are the rich people in the world? We talked about this the other week. True fact that if you have a combined income, a house income of $45,000 or more, you are in the top 1% of the richest people in the world. So, so Timothy, Paul is talking to you. Paul is telling Timothy, hey, go back and tell your congregation, all those rich people that are there, tell them this. Do not put your money or put your faith in your money or your stuff. That is foolish. Because your stuff is so unreliable. Instead, put your faith in your provider. He says this, tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. 
Do you really wanna be rich? How many of you wanna be rich today? You wanna be rich? It's okay, you can raise your hand. Here's the key word. If you wanna be rich, the key word is others. Everybody say others. Others. You see, Paul says, if you wanna be rich, do good to others. You wanna be rich? Be generous. And we talked about this the other week. Generous means to be above and beyond. I'm gonna go above and beyond. Be generous to others. You wanna be rich? Share with others. And he says, by doing this, you will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. Let me continue on here. Hard issues. Guilt, anger, greed. How many of you, you can see where these issues can become an issue in our relationships. The fourth one is this, is jealousy. Jealousy. Jealousy is, I, I say it's like this, it's hard to explain, but we know it when we feel it. We know it when we see it. What is jealousy? Jealousy is an envious spirit when you see what others have and what we lack. We see somebody who has a job, a job position that I would love to have. We see somebody who has these skills, somebody who has these looks, somebody who has the height, whatever they have, and you don't have that. And you become envious of that person. And and true this, a lot of people, not only did become envious of that person, they become just a little disappointed with God. You ever had one of those conversations? God, why do all the cool people got that and I'm, I don't have that? We become a little disappointed with God. We begin to declare to God, we may not say it, but really what we're saying is, it's not fair. You know you might be wrestling with jealousy because when you look out at the world, you begin to say things like, it's not fair. It's not fair. And the problem is a jealous heart always aches for what others have. And it turns into resentment because you're not getting what you want. It's affected me the other, uh, other week here. I got a good friend here uh, and, and that we've connected with in Green Bay and been friends with him. And we met here a few weeks ago, met for lunch and got together and talked. And he's like, hey, man, by the way, and I, there's this thing I've had on my bucket list and I've never heard him talk about his bucket list before. He's like, hey, the craziest thing happened. You know, I went to this one uh, c- convention and this well-known guy, he says, hey, man, have you ever been to Israel before? He's like, no, I never really thought about going to Israel. He's like, would you like to go to Israel uh, off, off all free, you know, every, all expenses paid. I'm like, yeah, sure. He goes, yeah, take your wife. It'll be great. He goes, just sign up and go in February. <laughs> Somebody's going to pay your way to go to Israel. That's awesome. Good for you. Good for you. I hope you have a good time. I hope you have a great time only been on my bucket list for how many years? And somebody's just like, hey, you wanna go to Israel? We'll take care of you. Ever have one of those moments before? It's not fair. It turns into resentment. Look at James says to us about jealousy. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there will, you will find disorder and evil of every kind. Anybody, any of you ever have, grew up with sibling rivalry, you had that among your kids? Sibling rivalry. And what it is, it's just jealousy. And when you have jealousy in your home, it just is chaotic and there's fighting and resentment. There's those inner struggles. I wonder 
if James had that in his life. You know who James was? James was a skeptic. James was Jesus's younger brother. And for a season of James' life, he was a skeptic of Jesus. Yeah, right, you know, big brother always running in his mouth. And I would just wonder, you know, when you got a big brother like Jesus, everybody's always comparing you, right? (laughs) Right? Man, why don't you do cool things like your brother does? You know, why can't you do that? Maybe he dealt with this. And maybe that's why he wrote about this. But he says this in James 4, 1 and 3. What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? If you have this in your notes, I meant to do this. If you have this, the scripture verses in your notes, I want you to do this. Every time I say the word you, I want you to underline it. What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You, you want what you don't have, so you scheme and you kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. So you fight and wage war to take it away from them. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. Do you see what the problem is here? Do you see what the problem is? The problem with my friend was not that he's got a free trip to Israel that I would love to go on. The problem is, me. That's where the problem was. And so how do we deal with this? How do we deal with it? Here's the healing habit. I want to talk more, but I need to cut this short. Here's the healing habit for jealousy. And the healing habit for, for jealousy is celebration. Celebration. You mean celebrate that my friend's going to Israel? Yes. Because when I learn to celebrate the blessings in other people's lives, it just drains the jealousy in my heart. Have you ever noticed that? And what it does is it takes the focus off of me and it puts it on you. And it drains that jealousy. It just works. And God just has that, that powerful way. Paul tells us this in Romans. He says, rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. As I close out this message today, issues of the heart. We want, all of us craved the ever after, the happily ever after, but I'm telling you, if you don't deal with the issues of the heart, you will always be longing for what others have and you'll never experience it yourself. So I ask you this morning, are you wrestling with the issues of the heart? Are you here today? Are you struggling with guilt? Are you struggling with anger? Because there is forgiveness. Are you, are you struggling with greed? Wrestling with jealousy? I don't know what the issue is in your heart that's affecting your relationship, but I would encourage you right now, can we just go to God and just pray and just say, God, as David prayed to prayer to God after he had sinned, after he recognized the issue in his heart, He prayed, oh God, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit in me. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. 
and create a, a clean heart in me. Father, I pray all around this room the prayer of David on each and every person who's here today. Before I end this message here, I want to give you the opportunity. Maybe the issue is you've never given your heart to Jesus. And that's why you're struggling with all of these and above. But I want you to know when you surrender your heart to Jesus, he changes everything. And he does an incredible work, a transformation from the inside out. So this morning, if you would like to surrender your heart to Jesus, just, it's just easy, right where you're at, just say, God, I need you. It's between you and God. God, I need you. And I'm asking you to come inside of me and to cleanse my heart, heal my heart, restore my heart. I give my heart to you. And I'm choosing today to live in your grace and your freedom. In Jesus' name I pray. And everyone said, amen. Let's give God praise for his salvation today. Let's give praise for his salvation.